everybody. Welcome. We're glad you're joining us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Today, we've got Pastor Matt with us to talk and answer questions about glorious design, a strange new world. How are you feeling? I'm okay. I think I'm. I think I'm on the mend. It's just uh, it's slow. So. You're giving Barry White vibes. Yes. Today. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, something jumped on me last week, and uh, I got sick and just got really sick. So I'm just trying to trying to get back to uh, back to 100. percent So. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. All right, so let's jump in. Um, I think one thing that I really like resonated with was that quote from Rick Warren. Um, and he, it says, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do, and both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. So the question is, as we talk with people who are not activists or lobbyists, um, how can we communicate to them that we don't hate or fear them? That we love them, but don't affirm their lifestyle. And also, there's always that tension there. Yeah. Um, how do we help alleviate the tension that has kind of evolved in society because of basically because of lies that have been told? Yeah. I don't. I don't know that there's anything specifically um, we can do in a in a particular conversation or setting with someone to relieve a tension that. Um, isn't there from from our end, if, if I could say it that way. Yeah. Um, but is um, is there on the end of someone who does believe? If you disagree with any aspect of my lifestyle, if you disagree with anything that I believe or any way that I behave, then you either fear or or hate me. Um, right. I do think that most at the conversational level, most of uh, the the engagement around these topics should be happening at a level where we know people mm. and they know us. I don't think Christ has tasked us with running around um, the grocery store or our community trying to spot people that we think might be on the, oh. on a different side of this than us oh, and no. coming up and saying, uh, may I tell you where you're wrong <laughs> and why? So, But I, I understand the question. I think the tension's there. And there's not a lot that we can do about it except love people well. Right. And when you're when you're having a conversation with someone, whether it's over lunch or it's uh, more casual than that at a park or at a gym or whatever, um, rarely does it start with these kinds of deep topics. Yeah. Um, but over time, you get a, a sense quickly, and people do whether or not the person that they're speaking with respects and cares about them at a at a basic human level. Right. And we certainly have to be conscious of that as Christ followers. We should, uh, we should be leading the way in our nation in terms of showing respect and dignity to people yeah. uh, because we understand everyone to be made in the image of God. And I think it goes a long way. Uh, but I do think, uh, I do think what, what Rick Warren said is very true, Right. that that has defined sort of the cultural landscape for discussion right now, mm-hmm. which keeps most discussion just stopped. Uh, I'd say one more thing, and I know this is kind of a long answer, but... We understand what he said that this is utter nonsense because it breaks down at any level at all. Right. If you've had a if you have a sibling, uh, you can certainly love them and disagree with them. Right. Uh, if you have a spouse, if you have a good friend, 
it just it breaks down completely. Right. And so it, it can't be simply true for one topic or one issue in human yeah. existence uh, and not true for all the rest. So tell me what – so there is this pressure that we have to have – and forgive me for saying it this way, but it's the only way I know how to say it is to have like – gay glasses on or trans glasses on yeah. and we have this pressure sometimes as believers to make sure we come at them with the bible and make sure they know and and not that it's wrong to speak truth but where do you think that pressure comes from to just make sure you i don't know just address the bible immediately yeah i think we're you know we are are on the heels of a culture where 50 60 75 years ago certainly 100 years ago and more that often worked when done in in love, right? Because because the question people were asking is what is true, yeah. And, and there was an assumption uh, widely made in in culture that the Bible is true, largely. Mm-hmm. Um, and even saying you know true the way that we think about it in in the Western world is interesting, but um, but it was a book of authority. Yeah, and so I may not know everything that it says in there, but when uh, when someone's helping me understand it better, then then I'll take that somewhat seriously at least. And that's just not the question anymore. Uh, the really question true. now deals with uh, is is Christianity even ethical or good? Mm. Not is it true, but uh, even if it is true, is it good? And so the question below all of this is what what is it that really creates and enables human thriving and human goodness. Yes. And um, I think that's what most people are asking and most people are trying to answer. And I think most most people, uh, I don't think most of the activists and, and some others, but I think most people in this sphere really are trying to do good. Yeah. They really are coming at this and trying to give solutions to people that are struggling. And I think uh, to follow your uh, your metaphor, if we could take the maybe <laughs> the gay glasses or whatever you said. I hate to off, say it that way, off. but that's yeah. the only. And just say that my my heart as a follower of Christ should not be to, to get someone um, straight, if I could use that language. No, that, but yeah. to just get them to Jesus. Jesus is who we all need. Yes. And Jesus is going to help all of us make all of our crooked ways straight in time. Mm. Um, because what we ultimately need is for our hearts and our souls to be healed by the gospel. Yeah. Because they're broken and fractured in ways that lead all of us to have um, wrong desires and harmful desires and pursuits that actually rob us of human flourishing and human thriving. That's good. And I, I do want to clarify, I said gay glasses to make light of how silly my mindset can be not to be offensive. Sure. No, I'm, I just, I, I, I knew exactly, I knew exactly what you meant. And I, but I think there's a lot of validity to that because I, I know a lot of Christians, if I could just speak for them, feel, and I think rightly so completely under assault right now Yeah, and have for, uh, for a number of years as, as the LGBTQ plus ideology and sort of national machine and agenda mm-hmm. um, has gone into full assault mode, pushing pushing their particular worldview, and it is a worldview, right. and their ideology into every facet of American life right. um, with great intentionality and great effectiveness. Yes. And and to, to disagree with that at any level is to immediately yeah. be shut down and and be referred to as a bigot, as closed-minded, mm-hmm. as an extremist, 
And so I think in a sense, some of it is, you know, was our problem and was there before. And some of it just comes from the fact that everywhere we go, that's what we see and hear. Yeah. Everywhere. And so it, it does become a lens that you're you're yeah. looking through too. And if we're not careful, we let that cultural lens supplant the lens of the gospel that just sees, For looks sure. at people as human beings, all who need Jesus. For sure. Um, so you said on Sunday, the truth for all of us, and I think this stepped on some toes, and I'm glad it did. The truth for all of us is when it comes to issues of gender and human sexuality, we are all broken in these areas. So this is going to be kind of a long question, but just a little bit of setup. I, I think it'd be really easy for those who don't struggle with either same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria or um, gender identity in general to take on the us-versus-them mentality and just balk at the assertion that there could be any of my sin that is at that level. Um, And so my question, I guess, is what would you say to a believer who genuinely wants to be empathetic but is struggling to, I don't know, is struggling to even believe that they might have any sexual brokenness? Like, especially someone who is married to one person, maybe didn't have sex before marriage. So how do you talk to that person about, no, you're actually sexually broken too? What does that look like? Yeah, Uh, Boy, it it would be – that is a mouthful. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. That's good. I would would really call somebody to to deeper self-reflection if they're sitting before me. Um trying to convince me that there's there's no sexual brokenness in them at all, that and there's no... Maybe the question is like that there's levels. Like my sure. level of sexual brokenness, there's no way it matches up to that. Yeah, And well, if someone that's... who wants to be empathetic is actually feeling that way, what, what do they do with it? Well, and, and, maybe, and maybe their particular issues in that area don't, but other issues in their life will. And right, will see right. That. And to just say, look, we're all sinful. We're all broken. Right. And so God understands that and sees that and pursues us in Christ as um, fractured, fragile, uh, sinful creatures. Uh, so it's not it's not my job to say this one is worse and that one is worse and this one is bigger and yeah. that one is less. I do think you're going to struggle biblically building that case. Um, what we can say is certainly um, – Different sins and engaging in different sins at different levels bring with them different levels of consequences into yeah. into our lives, yeah. um, for sure. But part of what I wanted to do with that is to help people understand that this is not this is not a conversation where it's like us in the church and then LGBT people out there for sure. That in all of our churches, because this is a human issue, yeah, there are going to be people. Uh, who are struggling with this, who are struggling with different aspects of this. And for a long time, they've had to struggle quietly and alone. Yeah. Because either they were in a church context where they weren't free to really talk about that particular issue of struggle in their lives um, or because – because they felt like it. And and sometimes yeah. it is the latter. Sometimes church communities are very loving and very open, and they're going to find nothing uh, but encouragement and support from brothers and sisters walking alongside them who also know all of their own issues and struggles and brokenness. Right. They just feel that they can't be honest with that. Yeah. And so I, I think that uh, sexual brokenness is just part of being human beings. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the fact that um, – as human beings, we are also sexual beings, and 
sin has uh, impacted and affected all of who we are. Yeah. Uh, not just not just our mind, not just our heart, uh, but all of who we are. And that would include our sexuality. And and it doesn't matter whether you have same-sex inclinations or attractions or whether you are primarily or completely other sex attracted. Um, we know that this is an area that Christ also must redeem right. and sanctify over time. It seems to me that the common thread for like for people who don't struggle with this issue or feel that they don't, the common thread seems to be, Lord, grieve us for our own sin so that we can have empathy. Um, yeah, and and just to – we ought to have empathy for brothers and sisters in Christ um, who are struggling with anything that they're struggling with. Yeah. And I, I think maybe the fact that we – we may not at times with this. It, yeah, yeah, it definitely ought to grieve us. Yeah, um, because that's um, it's a failure to understand at a at a doctrinal level. First of all, right. sin right. and what Scripture says about it, and also it's a failure at a doctrinal level to understand humanity, who we are in Christ, and it's just a breakdown at so many levels. To so understand the grace that God's given me, right? Um, the grace that God has given uh, all of us in Christ. Yeah. And to be able to encourage one another and say, look, it doesn't matter what your struggle is. I think I would say one more thing about that. As um, as the LGBT ad- agenda and ideology has come to define human sexuality as the primary thing about us right. that defines our identity, that, that then creates much higher stakes here. Yeah. Because when someone has been told long enough that that what they feel sexually is the most true thing about them. Right. And they have to be able to express it and act on it, um, whatever it is and however it may change, um, or who they are as a person is being attacked and denied, then it just makes it much more difficult uh, for us to have these conversations. But again, in the church, and this this is who we're addressing. We're addressing the church on these topics. Yes. Our worldview is formed by Scripture by what Christ says about us. And Christ says that the most significant point of our identity is who he says we are. Right. And let, and and letting him define what it means to be a man and a woman and uh, what it means to be a sexual being. Yeah, that's good. Um, so we mentioned people inside the church who may be struggling with gender dysphoria or same sex attraction. Um, what would you say to that person listening in right now who maybe has felt like they can't talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to, there's a distinct difference between coming out and saying, this is who I am. And then saying, no, I am struggling deeply with this issue. And I, I mean, I've heard of friends who came to their pastor and said, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And they were kicked out of the church, mm. you know, and I have friends who have struggled with other really intense issues like pornography or drinking. There's no way they'd get kicked out of the church. Yeah. They were loved on and helped to work through things. So I, I do feel like that some people who struggle, especially in the church, are terrified to even hint at the fact that, oh, my gosh, I'm, I actually really am dealing with this. What would you say to that person? One, I would say if they, if they are at a church where they feel um, – 
based on reasonable evidence that they would be kicked out for sharing any struggle, mm-hmm. anything that they're struggling with, mm-hmm. they need to find a different church. Yeah. They need to find – because there are – in the United States, thousands and thousands and thousands of gospel-centered, um, Christ-exalting churches yeah. where um, men and women of Christ and men and women in Christ are going to welcome people with struggles as as they're welcomed with their own struggles. So yeah. I, I would say that, first of all. Second, I would say start with a friend. Start yeah. with a friend who is a, a deep, genuine follower of Jesus. Yeah. And go to lunch and talk and just share, share what you're feeling. Um, I don't know that Christian community can exist any other way. Yeah. We can't, we can't have only certain things that we're allowed to say we struggle with. For sure. And to go back to the identity piece, this is what makes it so pervasive in this discussion. Because you may be primarily same-sex attracted or you may primarily struggle with issues of gender where maybe you don't feel like um, the way that you feel about yourself lines up biologically with your sex. Mm-hmm. That That's not what um, forms the root of your identity. Right. And so uh, for us to just say, look, we're just, this is getting back to where we started. We're all human beings. We're yeah. all broken. And our particular brokenness, our particular um, areas of, um, sin or propensity or temptation towards sin is not what makes me a this, a that, or the other. I'm a human being. I'm a, a person made in the image of God. Yes. Um, needing Jesus and needing all of Jesus, and Jesus wants all of me, mm-hmm. right? Not just my sexuality. Sam Al- uh, Albury is uh, sort of known for saying that's just too small a thing to yeah, say, I, I want to sure. give Jesus my sexuality. That's good. And I know that feels big, but it's too small. He wants all of who you are. Right. All of who you are. And in time, um, he transforms and remakes all of who you are. That's really good. I, and I would, I would also say, I'm sorry, Tori. No, you're good. I would also say, I understand that fear. Mm-hmm. I understand that fear. And I'm sorry that they have it. Yeah. And I think um, historically, the modern church has not done well with this at all. Yeah. Not done well with this at all. Well, it's what um, we talked about, too. Like, I think all of this kind of loops around the pressure as a believer who doesn't struggle with it to immediately call it out mm-hmm. and to make sure, you know, whatever. And and then assuming that if you are a believer, this is one struggle that can't touch you. There, I think yes. there's a lot of assumption yeah. that, you know, you can fall to certain things if you're a believer in Christ. But, man, if you're a believer, you will not struggle with the sexual identity. And it's Which, just not true. No, it's not true. It's crazy. It's not true biblically. You know, Paul addresses the church at Corinth, and he gives this long list of sins, yeah. including homosexuality. And this says, this is what some of you were. Yeah. It's what you were, but you've been washed and cleansed. Yeah. And so... um yeah, it, I think it reveals a, an ignorance that we have biblically. Yeah. And probably um, a blindness that we have just to look at our own lives and our own hearts and um, to see people not as projects to be fixed. Yeah, yes. But as yes. people to be loved in Jesus' name and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Love creates the climate and the DNA where lives are changed. Yeah. Love creates the context where there's genuine confession of sin. And hey, in the church and most churches, we don't just have an issue confessing this. We have an issue confessing most things. All the things. <laughs> we, we, we have a tendency to, to want to look put together and to, to, we don't just sort of, uh, 
want to put on our Sunday best when we come to church. We put on our emotional and our facial best. Yeah. And we have this Sunday morning facade that is so untrue. And it's so unlike the church we see that Jesus birthed in the first century that was full of such diversity and brokenness being changed and redeemed and glorified um, in Christ through the gospel. Well, and (laughs) this is a tangent that we can't go down now, but thank you, social media, for perpetuating the whole, here's my best Here's how I want people to see me. Absolutely. And we'll just here's here's my my false fake life. We'll just leave that little nugget there. Yes. Um, last question. I want you to. This is. I don't want a direct answer for this. Just comment on it because it's too huge of a question. Sure. But if you are someone in our church or a believer who has a family member who is not just struggling with this, but is belligerent. So there's right. a, there's a gamut of, of attitudes that we all have with our own sin. But you have a family member or a close friend who either is belligerent, like close to an activist, or just decided, hey, I'm going to live this way and love me or hate me. This is who I am. How how do you how do you in the meantime before God's you know Holy Spirit whatever what what do you do in the middle of it? Yeah, you just you just love them. I don't know that there's anything else that you're you're called to do. If they are a family member or close friend, they know who you are and they know what you believe about it. Right. Just like um, were they to engage fully with great commitment and and lack of repentance, any other kind of sin or sinful lifestyle. Yeah. They they know what you believe about it. I would also say it does make a difference. I think how you approach it maybe if they are if they profess to be followers of Christ or not okay if they're if they profess to be Christians it is incredibly dangerous to their soul and should be revealing uh, to them um, uh, whether or not that's actually true about them if they are unwilling to address an area in their life where they're just running uh, full fledge ahead into a sinful lifestyle. Right. Um, but I think again, there, what they need is Jesus. Right. It's not ultimately, not primarily the correction of that behavior. Okay. And that's where we get things wrong. In fact, I would almost say, if you just watch a lot of what we do in the church, we would almost rather people just clean themselves up and behave than experience the the messy grace that Jesus is willing to engage in in our lives. Mm. Where sometimes it's two steps forward and it's one step back and then it's three steps forward and then we take a right instead of a left. Yeah. But this is how sanctification happens over time. Right. So if they're followers of Jesus, that's a very scary thing. And yeah. I think you should be committing, we should be committing to to pray for them every single day. Yes. If we have a family member or a close friend that, confesses Jesus as Lord, but then is absolutely denying that. Uh, and we see in the New Testament, it's a, it's, a, it's an extremely dangerous thing. Right. Um, it's why church discipline exists as part of why church membership is so significant, is to uh, be able to bring pressure to bear on um, fellow believers who profess to be followers of Jesus, right. but who are completely denying that in an area and unwilling to address it. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say those two things to commit to pray for them daily and just love them. Yeah. Just love them. God hasn't called you to quote unquote fix them. Right. Or fix their behavior to love them. Well, they, they know likely that you disagree with what they, 
believe. Now, I will say it gets very difficult, nuanced, and complex at an individual level. Yes. If, you know, there's there's gender confusion or or maybe and I and let me say this and be honest about this. For many, this is just the cool thing to do right now. That's true. For many, if they're younger, this is just the cool thing to do. Because they're they're being taught in many, many, many schools across the country, growing number every single month and every single um year. Uh, that they have all of these options, and they're being taught this from a very, very young age. You can yeah. be this or this or this or this, and you kind of pick and think, and it sows seeds of confusion in the minds of children and adolescents, preteens yeah. and teens. Um, but it is the cool thing now to be on the LGBTQ sort of bandwagon and part of that movement and thinking of yourself this way or that way. Right. So sometimes if you think uh, – it's just something that they're doing because they feel like it makes them cool. I would call that out. I would handle that very differently right. than I would uh, a family member or friend that I feel like is having a legitimate issue with this. Right. Um, and like I say, then it makes a difference whether they're followers of Jesus or not. Yeah. If they're not, I don't know that you can do a lot um, yeah, yeah. other than just be a faithful Christ follower before them. Yeah. If they are, I don't know minus uh, beyond Man, I, and this is just off the top of my head, beyond a, a single conversation yeah. to just say, I, you know, I feel like you're you're going down a path that's going to destroy you ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, those with the Spirit of God living in them. Right. We hope that that would get their attention. But overall, um, I don't know what you can do, but, yeah. but love them. I do think it gets more complex in some areas if it gets into right. If it's if it's same sex attraction and there's a partner and they decide they want to get married, do you participate in that? How much do you? So so many things. <laughs> yes. So that I think, and we'll address more of those um, in coming weeks for sure, in very concrete and specific ways. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you for being here. I hope you feel better. Um, that's a wrap for us today. If you enjoyed today's conversation, share it with a friend so they can join us as we unpack more topics next week. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.